get this show on the road. I'm scared. Why are you scared? Because I feel like there have been movies that I enjoyed, and then I'm like, wait, that was a dumb movie. That was a stupid I want to judge all of your opinions. <laughs> Let me sit on my castle high. Right, right, my, right. my chair made of DVDs and judge it. you. <laughs> <laughs> you just, like, throw the DVDs at people. Yes. <laughs> Watch this, you Philistine. <laughs> Physical media will last forever. <laughs> Learn something. <laughs> Uh, uh, hi. Oh, hi. Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. Gavin, it's been a little bit. It has been a little bit, Louis. It's 2018 now. It is 2018. The year of our Lord. I actually don't know what that means. The year so. of our Lord, Oprah. Oprah, the year of our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> the, uh, I should take the sash off, right? <laughs> right. Oprah for Prua? Nothing. Right. nothing. Also, guys, we have a special guest today. Gail's here! <laughs> America's best friend. Right. Oh my god, there was something Reese Witherspoon said at the Golden Globes that could easily be taken as like, she's like, she gives the best hugs just yes. at scale. Yes. Wink, what are you implying? Oprah's, we all know. Oprah's speech is good, but Reese's like, run up to it was very weird. I feel yeah. like Reese's like, I'm gonna wing it, we're friends, and it's okay. And I was she like, was like, guys, you, you will never know what it's like to be in the makeup chair next to Oprah. Right. I'm telling you now, you will never know what it's like. I'm fucking Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I was like, Reese, girl, I know you're upset you didn't get that trophy tonight. Nicole Kidman's over laughing in a corner at you, but you'll be fine. Oh, I wish there was just cutaways of Nicole Kidman not paying attention right. to her. Talking to Keith, looking at her trophy. Look, another one. Can you believe? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we're the mixed reviews. We're the mixed reviews, and we're here to make it clear. Yes. We're podcasts. Something yeah, something rhymes with clear. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't be a contestant. That's a Roxy Andrews yeah. um, throwaway joke. Yeah. Uh, we're a film podcast, and we're going to talk about... This is a very special episode. Yeah. It's different than what we normally do. I'm wearing a tuxedo. I'm not. Gavin's naked. <laughs> yeah. Gavin's fully naked. Uh, I did have a birthday right. in between, so I brought my birthday suit. There it is. Whatever. I thought this was appropriate. Uh, because we're going to talk about all of last year. Right? All of last year. All of 2017. Uh, which was a terrible year for everyone. Right. Yeah. It was a pretty good year for movies, I'd say. Oh, I, I, uh, yeah. maybe. Maybe. No, I don't no. actually, I actually don't think it was a very good it year for movies at all. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I didn't see a ton that I like loved. Like, yeah. I don't, I didn't see a ton of movies that I think I'm going to like look back at 2017 and be like, oh my God. Good year, yeah. good year. Mm. Do you remember when you saw The Boss Baby? Right. Oh my God. I mean, there was nothing this year that was like a La La Land level for me. <laughs> you know, nothing really made me like want to dream. Yeah, I was going to say, Louis, here's to the dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Plastic cups. <laughs> We're classy. Okay. <laughs> This is the Golden Globes of my apartment. <laughs> exactly. It's a party. You never know what's going to happen. Chad Lowe could show up. Um, Chad Lowe? He's Rob Lowe's brother. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, we can't get Rob? He's former Mr. Hillary Swank. Mr. Hillary Swank? Yeah, he was married to Hillary Swank. So, like, he would be the... Why be wouldn't Hillary go for Rob? Is Chad cute? No. Okay. Yeah. Well... I like the sidetrack we just had. Right. Um, I'm, I'm learning about another low brother. <laughs> yes. So if this is your first uh, episode of The Mixed Reviews, you're going to be very confused because we're not doing any of our normal segments. Right. Uh, we're just talking about 2017, yeah. the year in film. The year that was. And so uh, we're recording this the 
day after the Golden Globes aired. Um, And I cannot tell you anything about anybody that won, because I just generally don't remember. I watched the full thing. Uh, Three billboards. Three billboards won a lot of things. Movie. Lady Bird won Best Comedy. Comedy movie. Um, which is weird because Greta Gerwig wasn't even nominated for a director, which yeah. is garbage. That's that's like that old, the the year that Argo won at the Academy right. Awards. No, right. Directed by no one. Crazy. I hate him. <laughs> um, literally nobody. Um, and who, who else won? Like Francis McDormand won, Sam Rockwell yes. won. Yeah, for three billboards. Um, for three billboards. Um, what else? Uh, Coco didn't win Best Song, which is a tragedy. Yeah, but didn't win Best Animated Film. Right. Um, and if you if, if you saw Coco this year, you know basically it's the song is what gets you. I believe you told me that that song is in the film 70 times? 7,000 times. Yeah, 7,000 times. And 7 million times. And each time... Cried. Yeah. Tears, tears, tears. It's literally instantly. every half minute. Right. I start, remember me. I um, think, I, I don't know, I thought it was a pretty good year for movies. Um, should we, should we try and attempt to do a rewind? Sure, I guess. We what would like, be, what would be our rewind? I, well, before we do that, perhaps we'll do some oh, old business. We do have old business. from our previous episode. Uh, before our long winter's break, we decided to do an episode of Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. and actually, it was really funny. Um, neither of us had seen his film yet, The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. It ended up being one of my favorite films of the year. Yeah, so. and I just saw it today, actually. Um, I had the day off because I was working yesterday for the Globes, and um, so I spent some time to go watch. Um, so, Guillermo actually won Best Director. He did, and I was very pleased, yeah, I'll very, be honest. Of, of the group of white men and him. Yeah. I was glad that he Thank won. Thank you, Natalie. Right. Oh, my God, Natalie. Goddess. <laughs> Um, he won and gave a great speech. Uh, yeah. Mentioned Lon Chaney, yeah, um, burning in hell, burning in hell, looking up at us and laughing. <laughs> um, and and he mentioned how much he loves monsters. Right, shock. Right. No one knew. Yeah, especially not if you listen to our episode of the Mixed Review. For twenty-five years, I have handcrafted very strange little tales, made of motion, color, light, and shadow. <sighs> And in many of these instances, in three precise instances, these strange stories, these fables have saved my life. Once with Devil's Backbone, once with Pan's Labyrinth, and now with Shape of Water. Because as directors, these things are not just entries in a filmography. We have made a, a deal with a particularly inefficient devil that trades three years of our lives for one entry on IMDb. <laughs> I thank you. My monsters, thank you. And somewhere, Lon Chaney is smiling upon all of us. Thank you very much. It was a really good moment. I, I liked his speech, and you could tell that he was really moved. Um, this kind of... he He's beloved by many, and this kind of actually feels like him getting um, some well-deserved yeah. uh, honors by his peers. So, good for him. Um, so, yeah, we did um, have our poll up for, a, like, a week or so while we were away um, to ask you guys what your favorite Guillermo del Toro movie was. And, uh, shocking no one, Pan's Labyrinth came out on top with 72%. Pacific Rim, which was my pick, came in at 22%. Devil's Backbone got 6%. No one voted for Kronos, which is fine because everyone loves everything that he does. Um, we also got some tweets, though, saying that yes. Shape of Water was their new favorite, which, um, you know, the movie is very beautiful. Yeah. So, I believe him. I don't know if it, like... I don't. <laughs> I don't know them at all. Liars. They work for the company. <laughs> I don't know if I liked it better than... Like, it, it, it certainly it meets the standard of one of his movies. I don't know if it, like, um, exceeds, for me, Pan's Labyrinth 
or Pacific Rim. I mean, clearly, don't Gavin's making a crazy face. As far as enjoyment goes, yeah. I enjoyed it very much. It's it's interesting because I mean, there's I I enjoyed it recognizing its flaws as well too, and I never I never felt that those flaws overrid uh, what I liked about the movie. I mean, it clearly doesn't take place in our reality. Right. Like everything is very designed, even when it's supposed to be um, in in our world and i also think uh michael shannon was a bit of a waste because you know we we talked about it on our episode and one of the things guillermo focuses on is he thinks perfection is evil and i think somebody that look it's sort of like my problem with jack nicholson in the shining which i know not a lot of people have which is that he's clearly crazy from the beginning right um that's what it felt like michael shannon wasn't this beautiful thing that becomes corrupted and right. over time like michael shannon always looks a little bit like he would scream at you right. for your dog it, pooping it, on his lawn right <laughs> I, I think for me everything was very kind of like a little bit one-dimensional yeah i wish we got more time with sally hawkins and kind of really investigating her you know uh, fascination with the sea creature right, and like right. building i that mean up. and there's like hints and stuff that right kind of obvious it was weird i mean the she has a neighbor um character and it felt like we spent a lot of time with him maybe yeah it's, maybe it's because he's like the vehicle for her speaking Right. You know, we get a lot of him and also Octavia Spencer right. because they're speaking for and, Sally Hawkins, who's well, right. In the and, movie. They, and they're and they're also stand-ins for the other because I mean the obvious other is like right. this mute woman and a fish monster, but then you also have a black woman, a, a black woman, and, and a, a gay, gay neighbor. Yeah. yeah, and like it's so funny because we talked about how in he sort of wanted all those things for mimic right. and wasn't allowed to at the time, and we were kind of like, oh, where would he have fit that in for? Yeah. Uh, but he clearly knows how to balance that. So right. maybe, you know. Yeah. And, and I think I, I liked this. Like they were all like a ragtag team of like misfits. And that was cool. Yeah. Um, I just, w- I really wanted them to cultivate a little bit more the, the creature and um, Sally's kind of. I get of, that. Um, I mean, it, they, so I mean <laughs> there's certain, there's certainly things that happened in right. the movie that get brushed aside almost immediately. Right. My, my favorite being spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear this fast forward about five minutes for now, um, the monster eats a cat and I was yep. like, Oh, gross. And, Literally, Richard Jenkins, her neighbor character, basically says, I'm not even mad. Right. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? He's like, he's an animal. What can we do about it? Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Also, Michael Strahlberg is in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Having a good year. He's having a great year. Good year for There is, uh, uh, I think, if we like investigate a little bit from our, our rewind about people, there's there are some people who are having a really good year, yeah. coming up in a lot of different things. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, and he's really good in this movie, too. Um I yeah, and I and I was waiting for like the brutality of this movie to like really get going because I just expect that from right. his um, Guillermo's movies, which is not to say it's not gross. There's definitely right. some gross things. There's definitely some gross things. I thought I could have, I thought it was going to go further, um, but it's it's not on the level of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, um, but the movie is very beautiful, and I enjoyed it, and I recommend to go see it um, just to see Doug Jones. Yeah, as a, as a hot fish man. Yeah, yeah, he he does great work. It's I never want to take away from the work Doug Jones does. He's physicality is really amazing so so i thought maybe we could uh, because i think the one thing i liked about this year there were good movies across the entire year it wasn't just like here's a million yes. at the end i i do agree with that uh i feel a lot of the award bait movies this year are not the things that that or at least for me i went towards and i i guess i don't normally ever fall for award bait but there's usually something in them amongst 
right. them that I find and I I like. Uh, but like things like The Post that came out right at the end of the year and The Darkest Hour. These are movies I have access to. I get sent screeners and I haven't bothered to watch either of them because I'm just kind of like... Uh, whatever. Like, <laughs> you're like, I'm like too indie for, for. Oh, Spielberg, he's still making these things yeah, exactly. these days. Oh. <laughs> I don't have time for Call Me By My Name, Winston Churchill. Right. Or <laughs> Get Out of My Life. Um, so I thought it would be good just to do a, a rewind of just maybe what came out this year of, and like some highlights that came out earlier this year. Sure. So in January, right off the bat, we get Get Out. Yeah, which um, you know is uh, I I I saw it fairly late in the game. I saw it when I went to Seattle, which was like in November with my sister. Oh wow! Yeah, um, yeah. so very late in the game. I I, I knew like I I needed to go see it, and finally I was like, oh god. And like normally, movies that get dumped in January are, are films that no studio has faith in. Yeah, the studio wants yeah. them to go away. Exactly. Like, literally Insidious 4 just came out. <laughs> right. So... They're like, oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Get Out was uh, amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, for a lot of different when, reasons. When we talk about our picks, I'll get into that one. <laughs> right. Um, I think also uh, the summer had a lot of good um, movies, like good blockbusters, I thought, and also The Big Sick came out in the summer. Yeah. Um, which which w- was really surprising, too, because it, it came out in a small release. Mm-hmm. Uh, most large comedies, which I guess it's technically not a large comedy, but it has that appetite behind it. Right. Uh, push. But it came out in a very small uh, release schedule and then expanded, and it was a comedy that was still out in theaters uh, by October. Yeah, it grew and grew and grew. Yeah, it just kept, it became one of the most profitable comedies of the year. Um, I think also talking about the blockbuster things, Guardians 2 came out, was really, really good, I thought. Yeah. Um, Girls Trip? Yeah. Maybe one of my, like, literally one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, Watching this this movie is something to be held uh, and like to be seen in a theater. Like right. that experience was wild and so fun. Uh, um, I uh, I have I I loved it and I wish I could have seen it in a theater. I'll ugh. be honest, that was a big mistake on yeah. my part. Just grapefruit them. What? Yeah, I ain't never grapefruited before. No, but I'm listening. What you want to do is you get a grapefruit, right? Okay. And you cut both ends off mm-hmm. as so. Then you cut <clears throat> a hole in the middle, like this, like a nice little tunnel. And then you place that on his penis, like this. Oh. Okay? Like that. Oh. Right? Now you wanna squeeze and twist and suck. So then it feels like he's getting fucked and sucked all at the same time. It's like this. <laughs> But I, I will say, why did it have to be two hours? Was there's it that long? Yeah, there's. But I'm, I'm sure in a theater it doesn't feel like that, right? You're sitting at home and you're watching it and you're laughing and you're having fun, but it gets to a certain point where you're just like, okay, twenty minutes could be cut out of this, thirty minutes could be cut out of this. I want like, like thirty more minutes of this movie. No, I, I want, want. I want a solid hour and a half. I That's want. All I want, I want Tiffany Haddish and Queen Latifah and all the girls in my um, TV box every week. Um, have them lulls. Have you used the grapefruit yet? You know what? I invented the grapefruit, okay? <laughs> no, I didn't. I have always said that, that grapefruit is the sexiest fruit because I love grapefruits. Well, she certainly makes it look sexy in the film. I mean, I just don't want grapefruit juice, like, inside me. <laughs> and that seems like, um, you know, a real, I mean, ha- a real hazard. That, uh, that, yeah. 
It's a real, I mean, with they they run the risk in the film. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, I love that movie so yeah, much. It's very funny. Um, Spider Man Homecoming came out in the summer. That sure was a thing that happened, and I love that movie. <laughs> I really liked it's it. It's a great television pilot. I completely agree. What's... It's the fantastic first episode of Spider-Man. Who's the bad guy in this movie? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. You mean the protagonist of the film. Because if you're... Well, just in general, like, if you're plotting this film like a normal movie, the person you spend the most time with, the person you learn the most about, the person who has any sort of character arc in the film is the bad guy. Spider-Man doesn't have any of those things in this movie. What? That's why it's a first episode of a TV show. Are you kidding? No, I'm totally right about this. Oh, you're right about I'm this? I'm right about Gavin's this. right about this movie, guys. <laughs> he knows about this movie. The, uh, I'm, I'm 100%. I love this movie. It's fine. It was <laughs> really good. As far as, like... No, I think it's it's a really solid movie. My, that, he's great. He I was really good. It, like I was, like, really genuinely like, scared he, when he, like, got in that car with fucking little Spider-Man. Because you know so much about him. Because he has the character arc in the film. It's terrible what happened down there in D.C., though. Were you scared? I bet you were glad when your old pal Spider-Man showed up in the elevator, though. Yo, I, I, I actually didn't go up. I, I saw it off on the ground. Yeah. Very lucky that he was there that day. Good old Spider-Man. Why is that bad? That's not bad. I'm just saying that the movie should have been called The Vulture if you wanted a movie about... Well, we already know about Spider-Man. I don't want to fucking have a character arc with him. Right. Fine. Then what's the point of making the movie? Because it's money, Gavin. <laughs> don't Ding. Be, don't be stupid. <laughs> He's a child. I, I have. Zendaya. Zendaya. I love Zendaya. She, uh... She, she tweeted something great when the film came out on DVD. Uh, somebody mentioned they're like, these bloopers are great, but why are there no bloopers of Zendaya? And she responded with, it was really hard for me not to mess up my 10 lines. <laughs> True. <laughs> She's right. She's right. Good for her. I also um, really like Tom Holland. He's also really charming. Yeah, no, too. everybody was fine in it. I mean, it's a, a Marissa Tomei. Uh, yeah. Great, very young Aunt May. Yeah. Yeah. All the Aunt May everybody wants to sleep with. I know, especially Tony Stark. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the, the joke right. throughout the film. Right. Um, was there anything uh, from earlier that you liked? Uh, I absolutely, I actually just watched this today under strong recommendation from just about everybody I know. There was a, a French film that came out in the U.S. Uh, on July 8th. It's now on Netflix. It's called Nocturama. Had I watched it sooner, it would have been in my top ten. It would have been my top three. It's so good. It's about a... What's it called? Noct- Nocturama? Nocturama. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's a it's a film about um, uh, like six or seven teens. Teens. And they're like convinced by this older. You don't realize what's going on until maybe about half an hour in. You're sort of just following them around. Um, he's convinced them to commit a series of terrorist attacks around France, Shit. and then you spend the rest of the time with them as they're um, hiding out in this multi-level department store. And you're sort of like spending all night with these teens who know that they've just murdered a bunch of people and like them sort of having to come to terms with their consequence, the consequences of that and like how some of them are dealing with it and how some of them are not dealing with it. One of my favorite scenes in the film, and I would normally put a clip in here, but it's in French, uh, is two of the characters are standing there and they've not seen anything yet but, uh, about what they've accomplished. And then they turn on 
the TVs in the department store and you see all this terror and flames in the city and people running and they're talking about like how many people do you think have died all while this is happening Willow Smith's song I whip my hair back and forth is playing I'm and, sold and there's this pause and one of them just goes you know she wrote this song when she was 10 and then she made the music video that's insane <laughs> I was just like oh my god so some of these teens are like so disaffected by what they've done it's so right. like it's just TV to them that they're going to continue on with their life it's or really really good they're just very affected by Willow Smith, Willow Smith. <laughs> exactly she was whipping her hair back and, and forth. you know what so am I <laughs> um, highly recommend it like I said it's on Netflix currently it's one of the best films of the year absolutely uh, I wish I'd seen it sooner um Another thing that I just remembered that I saw uh, in the summer was Baby Driver. Baby Driver, yeah. Um, which was tons of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's not a good, like, right. plot. But, like, it's it's proof to me that Edgar Wright needs Simon Pegg as a co-writer. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think like, they're, in terms of, like, the main character, Baby, is kind of a shitty character. And you're constantly just told that he's a good guy, which is weird reinforcement. Uh, his love interest has no interior life, which is kind of insane <laughs> in a, for a movie of 2018. She lives in that diner. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, you know nothing about her other than she loves baby, maybe? Maybe. Um, so what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a, like a chauffeur? You drive around important people? I guess I do. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. Well, aren't you mysterious? Maybe. <laughs> maybe? <laughs> You're just supposed to, like, I don't know, Baby is making bad decisions constantly, um, and none of them really seem character-driven. They just seem... It's like plot-driven. Right? Like, yeah, everything yeah. was kind of like, you gotta do this. Just, yeah, yeah. I think mostly... But the music was real cool, and the editing was amazing. Right. So I think I was really blown away by, like, the technical aspects yeah, of the movie. Yeah. Like, the the... It's so stylish. Yeah. Edgar Wright plays a post-production suite like a symphony. Like, yeah. honestly, it's it's breathtaking the stuff that he's able to accomplish and i i saw some critic boil it down to like oh he can get his editor to cut to the beat of gunshots and i was like no like if that's all you saw in the film then right i mean i i whatever i like see especially stylish movies like that i as like a viewer respond is like oh this this director has like kind of guts and balls yeah. to like be audacious enough to be like you know what this entire first like, the first chase scene, like, the first 10, 15 minutes, whatever, and then, like, the opening credits with, like, the music and, like, the words and the wall, yeah. I was like, this fucker is, like, trying to, like, really sell you on the style and the vision right. of his movie, and it's not just kind of, like, he's having so much fun. But I, but I will admit, I do still think every everything else kind of suffered from that. I mean, Jamie Foxx was basically, uh, I think, Fox, yeah, Reverse Shot, uh, which is this website I love, puts out their... Um, 11 sins of every year and their baby driver was one of them and they i think they began it by saying like jamie fox who is basically playing black criminal i believe his name is right black criminal (laughs) yeah right um so yeah there was there was definitely some issues with that movie but i saw that the same day i saw spider-man and it was definitely like a really weird double feature for me to i feel like i would enjoy that double feature honestly it feels like very in the same vein oh yeah it certainly wasn't i certainly didn't have a bad time (laughs) <laughs> um, I also uh, just recently watched The Lost City of Z. Yes, um, which was really nice. The it's it's. I don't like James Gray, and this is I know is I feel that I, feel I feel like I'm shitting on everything here. Sorry. Uh, yeah, James Gray is. Uh, yeah, he. I know a lot of people who loved it, so like I could be completely wrong. But did I, you not watch it? Oh no, I did. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, I I didn't like it at all. I'll be honest. I, I think 
I I had a, a real issues with the way women were presented in the film, and I had real issues with the way like minorities were just used as plot points in that film, and that was really frustrating. Like For sure. his his like seeking of um of this like lost world was this sort of almost like weird. Like he was saying that essentially that there was like this other race of like blonde white people that existed amongst these native people or that seemed to be his like goal was to find this missing like master race i feel like and and i i just found something very like eugenically creepy about it um maybe i wasn't paying attention but or for me i mostly got a i thought sienna miller in this movie is really really good but did you not find that role underwritten because it seemed like i didn't it seemed like the role was written for I don't know. Sienna Miller's really good at finding these roles that I feel like are written for, like, like she gets these moments where she's, like, a very, like, now-minded woman. Like, she's like, I should be up on that stage with her. And then literally somebody just comes along and is like, oh, silly woman, and that's it. Like, that's the whole fight that she had. I do believe I am quite ready to accompany you on your next journey. The children will be back in school by then. And I have learned to read the stars and navigate become very well versed in the history of the region. After all, it is I who found the document. I know, darling. But that would be impossible. It's not a place at all for a woman. Not a place for a woman? Yes. We believe firmly in the equality between us. In equality, yes, but in mind, not in body. The rigors of such a trip would be beyond your imagination. I believe it is generally acknowledged that the pain a woman experiences during childbirth far exceeds anything a man must endure. This is not about childbirth. Do you know childbirth? Have you witnessed two minutes of it, let alone endured it? I liked that her relationship with the guy you fucking hate. What's yeah. his name? Yeah, yeah. Charlie uh, Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. Who didn't bother me that much in this movie, other than the fact that he is Charlie Hunnam. I thought that... I liked their relationship a lot presented in this movie. I like that Sienna, Miller, Sienna Miller's character pushes back on him and is like this abolitionist woman. Right. And she... Until she has kids, and then the kids become that mouthpiece. But even then, though, she's like, fuck you. Like, I, I'm here with these kids. And like, yeah. I like the dynamics of... Uh, Charlie Hunnam's character essentially is, uh, is obsessed. And I didn't really see it as like trying to find this like other race or whatever i saw you know this guy whose family name has been torn to shreds and he is obsessed with you know rebuilding himself and proving that he is worth something and you know he's gonna show those fucking old dudes who like won't invite him to whatever right um and i and it's fucking wild but i mean, I mean that's still like a very class thing that's still like him being like the rich people won't let me hang with them anymore. Right, we're totally. Like, but I, I don't know. I, the 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 idea of like obsessing over like if I can just do this one thing, like if I can just do this one thing, it'll show them, and I can be part of part of their world. <laughs> Speaking of people who have had good years, um, fucking Twilight himself, Rob Pattinson, Rob yeah. Pattinson, who was in Good Time, good time which is another <laughs> another movie. I feel like I feel like such a Debbie Downer. That's another movie a lot of people loved. I did not connect with. I, I was, didn't watch it, but I heard it's, he, it's a lot of shitty people being shitty, and I think it's supposed to be a little more comedic than it. 
Like, I've heard other people be like, oh, it's totally a comedy. And I took it very much at face value and was like, oh, this is not funny. <laughs> um, and also, it was directed by the Safdie brothers. Uh, I met the Safdie brothers. They're very nice in person. Uh, one of them plays Robert Pattinson's mentally challenged brother. Mm-hmm. And I would say that performance border is borderline offensive. Gotcha. I was like, ooh, stop it. <laughs> so I didn't watch it. Um, but when I watched uh, Lost City of Z, I was like, oh, Robert Pattinson, who's yeah. kind of having like a renaissance year for himself to like kind of shake off yeah yeah uh twilight no and yeah he's like i definitely would rather see him do things like good time and lost city of z than see him do stuff like twilight i think he's very talented um i think that's all i wanted to mention in my wrap-up of the year Um, uh, for as far as things that come out i mean as we move along through summer and into uh, you know, more... Oh, I did have one more that came out sure. really early in the year. Uh, uh, A Quiet Passion. I watched that. Yeah, it's a film so about good. Emily Dickinson, um, and it's directed by Terrence Davies. Uh, Why I, do you laugh when you say Terrence Davies? I laugh when I say Terrence Davies because... Um, so when he cast Cynthia Nixon, um, he was asked if he had ever seen uh, Sex in the City before. Um, and his response uh, was that he was not a fan of Sex in the City, as he found it pernicious. Oh. Uh, he did admit that he watched an episode with the sound off and found her reactions the truest. Wow. Uh, according to him, Nixon was very ci- uh, civilized about this revelation. <laughs> and uh, she was like, to- okay, bitch. <laughs> yeah, just like, Terrence Davies, you don't enjoy being queer at all. Right, <laughs> right. Not, like, um, which but, is funny because the movie's yeah very gay yeah yeah uh it, it's about poet Emily Dickinson and it's like it's got a lot of poetry voiceover um but her performance like really really rocks it and I will admit technically it's not even my favorite put together film there's this really embarrassing section about the Civil War that basically looks like a PowerPoint slideshow <laughs> um and I was shocked that the content of it got to me so much that I was like, it's rare that I will put a film in my top 10 that I think is um, uh, more like that doesn't have like an equal balance of both substance and, and vision. Um, I think the vision wasn't fully there, but it's like substance wise, like just a really hearty helping of a film. And yeah, uh, I loved her friend that only speaks in like witticisms. Yeah. Her like, little cunty friend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. She was amazing. Best. Yeah. Yeah. Will you go with us to church, Miss Buffon? Of course not. Going to church is like going to Boston. You only enjoy it after you've gotten home. We are to pray for the repose of our late pastor's soul. Doesn't that rather depend on where it's gone? We shall become fast friends. Of course we shall. I'm irresistible. Everyone says so. When the new pastor does arrive, you must point him out to me. So that you too may be saved. No. So that I will know whom to avoid. It's like if if you maybe are like scared of watching movies that are like a little bit too like frou-frou shishi. Yeah. Like you should go watch this movie. Like it's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. Um, and just like really just get into it because it's so funny. Yeah. And it's like, it's so refreshing to, you know, 
feel like I, I, I understand uh, going into a movie and being like, oh, this movie is probably like, too highbrow and like over my head. This movie is not that movie. This movie is not like at all. Emily Dickinson and her friends were like, oh, getting married sucks. Hey, yeah. man, I don't want to do it. <laughs> exactly. And like, it's hilarious. It's, yeah. it's really funny. But also Emily Dickinson, you know, had real struggles and uh, yeah. hardships in her life. And so, it, like the, you said, it's a, it's a healthy movie. The first the first scene where she starts to suffer from her ailment, yeah. I was just like, fuck, yeah. like, she's really giving it. I, yeah. was, I was worried for Cynthia Nixon. Yeah. It doesn't the, really have It's a very physical performance. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, so, so good. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I agree. A Quiet Passion, uh, recommended by both of us. Both of us. Spider-Man Homecoming, just me. <laughs> you know, I got it for Christmas, so. <laughs> you got it for, you got it for Christmas? Physical media will never die! <laughs> um, um, do, should we talk about more movies or do you want to do one of our picks? What do you want to do, Gavin? I want to, I think I want to move into our picks. Okay. Just, just cause I'm curious as to what you think is your, favorite films of the year do you have do you have a number system or anything because i could do a number system but right i mean so because i release if you're friends with me online anywhere i released a video i release one yearly it's my top 10 films of the year mm-hmm. um and you can check it out uh we'll post it on our twitter uh and, and please do I, I work really hard on <laughs> and like things that i edit like i don't know i like people to see so yeah enjoy that and then that'll be a supplement to this episode Gavin, plugging your own shit on our <laughs> shit, highly disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, you can edit your own. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've, I watched it, and um, I, I watched the video, and I saw that you had a quiet passion on there, and I had been like kind of thinking, should I watch this or not? I loved it. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, I didn't like – I wrote down the like, movies that I really liked from this year. I certainly have like a top three that um, rocked my world. Do you want to just talk about our top threes? Sure, let's do that. Um, and I also, uh, first of all, I want to talk about. I can also talk about my bottom three. <laughs> I actually, I was thinking about that. I was like, do I have movies that I really hated this year? And what I came to realize, I do. <laughs> what I came to realize is though, you know, spending your good money to go watch a movie in, in New York specifically, it's like eighteen dollars to go see a fucking movie. Um, I just, I'm not going to go see a movie that I'm probably not going to be into, you, you know? know? You can watch movies at home. I mean, correct. <laughs> like, the, the, what I came up with, though, for my worst movies, and I'll just get those out of the way real quick. Um, the Bad Batch was maybe, like, one of my least favorite movies yeah. of the year. And we, we watched that for our Diego Luna episode, even though he's in it for, like, one second. Um, he really did not like that movie. Yeah, I was that's like, pretty low on the list for me. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? As, as I, I didn't know what this director There's like to... a fine line between like art house and drivel and that movie like, right. Like pinging drivel the whole time. I was <laughs> trying to like get there. I wanted to go there yeah. with this director and this vision, but I was like, oh no, 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 no. Hate <laughs> this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, there are really bad movies out there that I just did not watch. I mean, like everyone's like, oh, the emoji movie. I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't fucking see the right, emoji movie. Right, like, absolutely. I'm not going to go see the Mojibon. I'm not going to go watch The Greatest Showman. Right. Okay, like, there are bad movies out there. I just decided not to watch them. Yeah, and then, like, it might be in poor taste to do your your bad movie list, but I just want to throw out, like, my my bottom three. Sure. uh, Would be The Dark Tower, which I watched for our Stephen King episode. It's just a nonsense mess. Did not watch Um, it. Cat Fight. uh, Oh, my God. I want the one with... um, uh, Anne Heche and... and, uh, oh my gosh, she's such a good actress. Anatomy. She's such a good actress. Uh, uh, Sandra Oh? Sandra Oh, I yeah. love her. Okay, this movie was on at a bar. Yeah. And 
I, and all that I, when I was at the bar drinking, all I could see was this really long ass scene yeah. of Anne Hish and Sandra Oh beating the shit out of I each mean, other. That, that's why you, that's literally why you watch this movie. It's just cynical. Like, it's cynical to, I, like, I've gotten to the age where, like, if something gets so cynical to 45. Point, yeah. I'm more like I'm 70. <laughs> um, you know this. Um, I drank from the wrong cup during the, when we were finding the grail. Right. Um, this is a protracted lost <laughs> arc metaphor. Not even lost arc. Oh my god. Monty Python? I'm just turning, I'm just turning into dust as we speak. That's yeah, the it's gone, guys. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's like, playing to the most cynical things it's it's like saying the most cynical things and and leading it into just watching two girls beat the shit out of each other oh my god this is so crazy this is this is my husband's party oh yeah oh yeah yeah he's over there with his uh you know big shot business partner and they're like uh gonna close a, a really big um account oh god that's cool which one is he uh he's um oh see those two guys by the couch yeah <laughs> He's a tall, handsome one. For real? Mm-hmm. Wow. I thought those guys were gay. They were acting so gay. It was like gay, 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 gay. <laughs> Why would you think that? No, nothing. I'm kidding. I don't. I'm, he's great. He's so lovely. Yeah, my husband's not gay. No, I know, I know. We have a beautiful son. We don't, I know. Yeah. <laughs> don't so. get I know. I honestly, it was a joke. He's really handsome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what about you? Are you, are you married? <laughs> oh, no, wait. No. Yes, you're right. Because you're gay, right? Yeah, you remembered, huh? Mm-hmm. Of course I remembered. And I, I don't know, like, it was, it was more upsetting than anything for me because I was just like, I hate every second of this. And speaking of that, The Belko Experiment, which was a horror movie. What is that? It's a horror movie about an office that, like, basically, like, that it, it, like, boards itself up and they're everybody's oh, told they fight each other yeah, or they're something? told they have to kill a certain amount before they can be let out right and once again it's just like cynicism to the extreme and it's just like yeah i get it everybody's bad and everybody hates each other and we're all gonna end up killing each other like got it got it this is gavin like, who like hated spider-man yeah. hated like <laughs> but, but that's not out of cynicism that's out of general concern for the blockbuster <laughs> but uh i actually um at work we did a story on the book i'm now remembering it and it yeah. was like they are using staplers to kill each other and like silly like and like office things it should have been clear because it's a script written by uh sean gunn who directed the guardians oh. of the galaxy's films and but he got his start in horror right so like he was a trauma guy and like he uh did slither and uh he did the movie super um so like he he's definitely has experience with horror but it was a script that he could never quite make work and then they got a different director and like that should have set off like the red flags like, yeah exactly like he couldn't do this like probably shouldn't do it. yeah so but there, yeah there we go those that was like a very quick i mean i just don't want to talk about things i hate it <laughs> because honestly because i feel like there were so many uh like awardsy movies that yeah. are very controversial um, as far as, you know, whether they are worth, um, the honorifics that they are, um, now receiving. And Absolutely. I thought, I thought we could spend some good time on that. So, um, let's talk about our, our the stuff we liked. All right. Um, I really, I'm a sucker for a good music movie. I, last year or maybe two years ago, um, Sing Street came out and I fucking, that was last year. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. I've seen the movie. It's good. I've seen it three times. Um, I, do, I do not judge you for liking that movie. It's great. And um, I, I think the ending's a little weird, but that's fine. Uh, it is, but it's so good. Yeah, like, 
It's so good. Like, I was like, get on that boat and go to where, like, England or wherever they're fucking going. Um, and so this year, there were two movies that came out that were, um, focused around music that really I connected to. Um, the first one I want to talk about, um, not too much, um, is Band-Aid, um, which was written and directed by Zoe Lister-Jones, um, who you might know. She's on a CBS show right now. She was on The New Girl. She's kind of like one of those, um, comedians who you see her and you're like, I've seen her in something. Um, and she decided to make this movie called Band-Aid with Adam Paley, who plays her husband. They're a couple, um, and they fight all the fucking time <laughs> um, about stupid, silly, married people things. Um, and they decide to create a band and write songs for each of their fights. And they enlist help from Fred Armisen, who lives next door to play drums and he's like a really weird fucking character um and the movie just uh it's really it's it's funny it's um sad um it, it's uh, a fun fact zoe hired all female um or women to um art for her um like the production roles like all the production roles behind the were, scenes, yeah like, everyone was a woman yeah, yeah um and i think that's fucking cool uh, they played the music on the movie live on oh, set. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And there's a really just—it's uh, so funny. I remember this movie coming out. I didn't—I didn't see it at all. Like, yeah, I'm, it came out. It, uh, I'm happy it, that you picked something that like is just out of my. Oh, like, I saw something Gavin didn't see. No, I just, oh my I just, god! Um, I'm really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, As I take a long drag of my non-existent right. cigarette. <laughs> Good job, kid. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It premiered at Sundance and, um, to really, um, good reviews, um, and IFC distributed it. Um, and it's, it was just really tender and it's not too, you know, preachy. They're essentially movies about fi- fighting is a real part of love and relationships and, um, getting through those fights is what makes you stronger. And, um, I just thought this was a really, uh, beautiful, interesting, funny, poignant way to get through that. Um, there is a sad story, um, with, the couple and I don't want to spoil it for you, but um, it's a really sweet movie. And if you just want like maybe like a lazy Sunday movie watch, um, I recommend it. Do you remember the first line? I didn't write it. I know, but we came up with it. You came up with it. (sighs) It, I don't know the lyrics. Remember it was about something with the dog, like a dog. Maybe you wrote it down somewhere. Oh yeah, he did. He, he actually did. He recorded it telepathically. Onto a sandwich. The lyrics are in my blood. No, the drugs are in your blood. The lyrics are like... You wanted to take drugs. Oh, my God. That's so classic to turn this around on me. I'm turning around... You're turning around on me. You wanted to take drugs. It didn't work out. Now you're acting like a bitch. It didn't work out. Did you just call me a bitch? No, I said you're acting like a bitch. What kind of man calls their wife a bitch? Why do you have to question my manhood? Because what kind of man calls a woman a bitch? You call me a dick all the time. Why can't I call you a bitch? Oh, my God. The other music movie that I really want to talk to and is maybe my favorite movie, and you might already know this, Gavin... Is Patty Cakes. Yeah, I liked Patty Cakes a lot. I love Patty Cakes. I don't, I can't remember a time this year or, you know, in 2017 that I came out of the theater just smiling from ear to ear. I immediately downloaded the entire soundtrack and just kept listening to Patty rapping over and over. Um, so Patty Cakes was, uh, directed by Jeremy. Oh, fuck. I wrote this down and I can't read it. Jeremy Jasper. That sounds right. Sure. Yeah, I'll double check that while you're talking. Um, and it's about, um, this girl, Patricia, um, also known as Patty Cakes, also known as Killa P. Um, she is an overweight white woman, um, a young woman, um, who grew up in New Jersey and she wants to be a rapper. Um, that, this is, that's her dream. She idolizes, um, 
a rapper named Oz, who's kind of like a... Jeremy Jasper. Jasper, yeah. Jeremy Jasper. Um, And Kathy Moriarty plays her nana, and she's amazing. I fucking love Kathy Moriarty. That was the first thing when I was watching it, and I, like, sent a text to her. I was like, Kathy Moriarty's in this movie. I know, and and she's really, really good. Um, Bridget Everett plays her mom. Uh, Sid Denajay plays Jerry, who's, like, a... Um, a pharmacist, but he's like her hype man, essentially. Yeah. Um, he's literally his first movie. I did not yeah, know. Like, yeah. I, so yeah. I, I was watching all these featurettes about it. And so, um, Danielle McDonald plays Patty and she is an Australian actress who moved to LA and was trying to make it happen. And literally, uh, Jeremy Jasper trying to get this movie made. He could not figure out who he wanted to play Patty. And this movie essentially is Patty is his alter ego. He, for a long time, was a musician. It never happened for him. He was really into um, hip-hop um, and rap. And it's never happened for him. And so he wrote this movie just to kind of, like, express that. He wrote all these songs that are in the movie as well, um, in, 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 in addition to directing the movie. Um, and he literally just was, like, on IMDb searching, saw her, and was like, that's the girl. I know that's <laughs> the girl. And she was like, I don't rap. I have an Australian accent. I don't know what the fuck New Jersey accent you want. And he was like, don't worry about it. Start learning how to rap. And he sent her all these like music clips and she was learning like Eminem and, um, uh, you know, just a bunch of different rappers, um, to get the swag down. And they hired her like a swagger coach to get all this stuff. And she's just, she's transcendent in this movie. There's a great scene where she's sitting on the car with Jerry. Um, and they're overlooking, um, they're on the, like, that's on top of a hill in Jersey and they're looking at the skyline in New York City and they're just like waxing poetic about how one day they're going to make it. And Jerry just starts like drumming out a beat on the top of the car and she's like, stop, don't make me. I can't. And he's like, come on, Pete, you can do it, whatever. And she just like busts out the most amazing like rap. Patty and Jerry, we will be legendary from uh. the bottom like sodomy. Fuck the game up, missionary. I'm in my own trap as I flip the world a birdie. My verse is full of curses because I'm stuck in dirty jersey. Uh. Uh. I was like jamming out in the theater. Um, this movie is so sweet and it basically is a young adult novel on screen. Um, there's a, a punk rock kid who they enlist to, to um, whose name is Bastard. Yeah. He, like, lives in an abandoned shack by the cemetery, and he has a really sad story. Where he produces. Yeah, where he, (laughs) where he produces their music. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's just a coming of age, try hard. She's working her ass off to, you know, make it happen. MC Light has a cameo in it, Mm -hmm. and she's the one who says, kid, it's a cold world. You gotta hustle to make it happen. Um, I loved MC Light's cameo. Yeah. Two nonetheless. It's so, it's so, so good. And this is Jeremy Jasper's first movie. And, um, and uh, Band-Aid was also Zoe, uh, Lister Jones' first movie, and I just fell in love with these two musical movies, uh, these musical debut movies. Yeah. By these two, um, artists. Um, I can't say enough good things about Patty Cakes. You can find it online right now. Yeah. Um, on, on Google and on YouTube. Um, it, it, it's worth, it's definitely worth your time. It's a little under two hours, I think. Yeah. I don't even think it's full. And, um, you, you mentioned her briefly, but, uh, Bridget Everett. Yeah, Bridget uh, Everett. She's so amazing in it. And I was, I'm familiar with her, like, very raunchy stand up act that I'm kind of on the fence about. (laughs) Um, anyways, but so I was, like, a little surprised at how great she really is in the film and and really gives a, a, a performance that, could easily have slipped into caricature but it's mm-hmm. so nuanced and like you she it's not it's never black and white enough that you're right. like i hate this woman she's her mother she's a uh 
failed dreamer. She was a singer in a band. Yeah. Um, she's now become an alcoholic who like goes and does karaoke at a bar and just at the bar drinks, that yeah, Patty works, works at. at. Yeah. And Patty has to take care of her. Oh, drinks herself into stupors every night, like literally yeah. vomiting in the bathroom. And uh, and but there's like a substance to her that you you never hate her. You don't believe that she's the reason yeah. that Patty like. Patty's not thriving in life. Right. And I mean, she's clearly part of it. Yeah, she's part of it, but I think she also, like, there's the good parallels between the both of them. They both, you know, she wanted to be an artist and was on the brink of breaking through. And, you know, and I think there's a part of, like, trying to protect Patty from, like, you know, going down the same path. There's a lot of heart to this movie. You can tell that it was made with love. It it was a a true highlight treat. And also, it came out at the end of the summer. It was an August release. So, uh, yeah, that's Patty Cakes and Band-Aid. Nice. Uh, so my top two, like, I feel like my top two is way more conventional than yours. Uh, so congrats again. Thank you. Um, I'm different. (laughs) Um, so my, uh, my top two would be, uh, starting with, uh, the Netflix documentary, uh, Casting Jean Monnet. Uh, which is this, uh, very, um, it's, it's not your average documentary. It's done like the, the concept is. Um, that this uh, director, Kitty Green, Kitty Green wrote and directed this film, is casting parts <coughs> for a movie about the murder of Jean Benet using people that were in the town at the time. However, there is no movie. There is no movie that's being made because the interest isn't necessarily in the way, isn't necessarily in the death of Jean Benet. It's more about the way that tragedy um, infects a neighborhood or the way that gossip creates a story, or the way that people process things, and you learn from these interviews with these with these actors who think that they're auditioning for these things, um, bits about their life, bits about the way that they think about this thing that happened to their community twenty years ago. Obviously, the kids auditioning for Jean Benet are too young to even remember this, so like it's kind of interesting from their perspective and the way that it's like this sort of ghost that has haunted their town this mystery and it's great because the movie's not interested in providing you answers it's more interested in providing you um a deeper look into the human consciousness and i i found it really fascinating to watch these interviews um because you know you're you're sort of processing the way everybody deals with grief and how grief has sort of infected this community over the years and become part of their lives. Because in a way, they're all part of this story, even if they had nothing to do with it. In cases like that, it's always somebody you know. Good girl. The mother had to do it. Why would she have no motive? And then her husband. I think he's the innocent one. Actually, the son. There's no way a nine-year-old could pull off a murder like this. There's some really fascinating moments in it where, you know, certain people are talking about, like, the murder itself. And other people are talking about, like, I remember that day because that day was the day my brother got in a car accident or something like that. Right. And this horrible story about their brother. And, like, that's their memory of this. Or, like, somebody's like, oh, they could have went to jail for this many years. And I know this because, you know, like, I'm a criminal prosecutor and this is what I would have done. My favorite interview is there's, like, a, a guy that's interviewing to play some part in the movie who's a, a policeman. 
And then he starts talking about how he's like a sex educator. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. What does that mean? And you slowly begin to realize like his definition of sex education is like he's actually like a male dominatrix. Like he invites men to his house to like tie them up and stuff. And and it's like, oh, like when I say like I'm a virgin, I actually mean I'm a whore. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Same. Um, And uh, I I don't know. I I find this all this very interesting. And then interspersed throughout the movie are these fake scenes from this fake movie that they've used with these people that they've cast in these roles. And I think it's this, like, I don't know, it's this really interesting thesis on, like, the the microcosm of the way, you know, people think about media and how, I don't know, this murder forever changed this town, and it still has consequences on these people, but it's mostly because we keep it in the consciousness. Well, how do you think, like, I mean, or why do you think the director wanted to, like, not just interview the people in town and instead, like, did this... Well, she's she's an interesting case to begin with. Kitty Green directed, uh, this is not her first film, but she did a, a short a couple years ago called The Face of Ukraine Casting Oksana Bayul. And it's a very similar in theme. It's from 2015. Um, and it's just interviews. There's no like actual movie for this one. It's just interviews with these girls, um, from Ukraine auditioning to play Oksana Bayul. And what's great about the, the short is like it becomes this deeper thesis about the war torn Ukraine and sort of like the, how the war is affecting their lives and how they've sort of looked up to this ice skater and like how like her fame has like altered their perception of like getting out of the Ukraine and whatnot. And it's really cool and it's not long. And I, I, I think it's like 15 minutes. I highly recommend seeking that out if you can. I'm pretty sure it's on uh, Vimeo or something like that. Uh, and so this is definitely not her first foray into this specific type of documentary. Right. And I like that she's not, she's interested in her subjects. Like I will say, like she's interested in the subject of John Bonet, but she's more interested in the concept of John Bonet than she is about the actual, actual murder woman. Yeah. Or girl. Yeah. Um, how did she like get these people to like, like she essentially tricked them into being, I in mean, this I'm, documentary, I'm right? pretty sure like, in the end, she, she must would, have been like, okay, yeah, well. well, here's what's really going on in order to get them to sign the releases. I'm right. sure there are people that didn't. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's crazy because she spent 15 months there. She spent over wow. a year, you know, um, and this is in Colorado, right? Yep. Um, and just sort of, you know, delves into how collective memory works and how like mythologizing, like modern mythologizing works. And uh, I don't know. It's just a really neat comment. I have a, I have a friend who was like, oh, I, w- I wouldn't watch that because the, the whole concept of the JonBenet case freaks me out. Just mm-hmm. in general, I was like, but it's not really about the case. It's more about how ev- everything else that has happened right. after it. And right. uh, I don't know. It's, it's a really fascinating look. The movie's not looking for conclusions. And the movie, like, does all these different theories throughout it. And, you know, you talk, like... There's this one crazy theory that, you know, the night before she was murdered, they were at a Christmas party and there was a Santa there. And so they do the, she does all these interviews with these mall Santas from right, the area and everything. And, and uh, one of them talks about how, like, this is why he, like, ha- like has a whole waiver system that he has to wow. do now that, like, just to make sure that, you know, he's not accused of anything. And it's just, it's nuts. Like, it's this very Santas interesting. Santas were never the same. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Especially not in Colorado. <laughs> uh, it's this very interesting slice of life. And 
I, I don't know. I'd be, I would almost be curious to see her revisit that town like every 20 years and see like what the next generation has and what the next, I mean, I think now's the perfect time because it is 20 years on and there's, right. you know, people that were kids at the time are adults now and people that were adults at the time are older and like they can sort of look back on that and, but yeah, I don't, it's really fascinating. You can find this on Netflix. Yeah. It's a Netflix original documentary. They gave her the, after seeing casting Oksana Bayul, uh, they gave her the money to do this. Awesome. So yeah, uh, I was for people that think Netflix is is evil and only out doing things like Bright. No, <laughs> girl. Um, and then my favorite film of the year was Get Out, and uh, it's a very mainstream pick. I'm aware of this. Uh, because uh, you're really mainstream. I'm very mainstream, right? You know? But I just, I first of all, I I love having any horror in my top 10 and I don't always get it uh, because horror is a genre that people think is a very base genre. People think of horror the same way they think of comedy. It's very easy and like there's a million of them put out every year And but uh, I think Get Out has so much interesting things to say about race and society and I feel like anything I say here you've already heard so I don't know just go see Get Out. Get Out is Jordan Peele the comedian's uh, first film he wrote and directed it um, it it was a surprise smash, like you said. It came out at the beginning of the year. Um, everybody made saw ton, it. Made a ton of money. So much money. Um, can we talk about like what a good year it was for like these debut filmmakers? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. that's awesome. But yeah, so get out. See, get out. It's a it's a horror movie about uh, in in a relationships between <laughs> black people and white people. Right. <laughs> what did you feel about the ending? I love the ending. Yeah. I really did. I mean, there's there's a, a twist at the end that I won't get into, but there's a moment there where you just think to yourself, like, oh, I, shit. That was lit. I, yeah. I grabbed my sister and I was like, no! Yeah. I was like, Trump's America, no! Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's great. It gets weirdly science fiction towards mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, it does. And uh, yeah. But it's, Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener's amazing in it. Uh, Daniel, I can't Kaluuya. Say, Kaluuya. So yeah. good. Uh, Allison Williams. Uh-huh. Really great. My only criticism, and it's funny, I will still critique the films that, uh, that I put in my number one. Um, I have, I genuinely, at this point, still don't really know what Caleb Landry's doing in that film in terms of performance. No, the brother. Oh, yeah. Caleb yeah, Landry, yeah. like, has decided, has picked this one character and he's going to town with it. You an MMA fan? Dude. Dude, what? What? Hey, Jeremy, why don't we uh, let someone else have the floor for a second? You're dating my sister, right? He's dating my sister. You had your chance. I can't get to know the guy. I also did want to mention one other movie um, that leaps the top of my heap, um, and that's Mudbound. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. By D. Reese. Um, I fucking love D. Reese, by the way. I know. I... Pariah came out what like five seven years ago yeah. now or something. That movie shattered my body and soul. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore. It, it is. It used it is to be. Stuff. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. So um. I think that was part of the contract. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, we're not here to talk about Pariah, but if you haven't seen Pariah, yeah, go watch it. It's well, a- I mean, honestly, if you have access to HBO, go watch Bessie as well. Yeah. She did the the biopic of Bessie Smith uh, starring Queen Latifah. And it's really great. So, um, so D. Reese, uh, made Mudbound and it's on Netflix. Um, and it is just like a huge sweeping, yeah, southern drama, um, that I don't know that in other hands would have been so tight 
and well put together. Like, how dare she have, like, seven different narrators, and yeah. I care about all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mary J. Blige's performance. <sighs> I didn't, I didn't, I don't really know much about Mary J. Blige as an actress. I know her music a lot, mm-hmm. but, like, I was shocked. I did yeah. not know she had those chops. She is, like, wound up in this movie, but also there's, like, this release button on her when she has to be a mother. Yeah. Like, you can just sense the longing, and when she has to take care of fucking Carrie Mulligan's kids. Yeah. Like, uh, I just, like, I wanted to hug her. Um, Carrie Mulligan's also really good in this, uh, what's uh, his name? Garrett Hutland or whatever. Headland. Headland, who I really don't like, like, to yeah. me. He, he's always a little stiff. Right, but mind. he was really good in this, too. Though he's great in Tron Legacy. Uh, get out of my life. <laughs> um... Jason Mitchell plays Ronzel, and he's the... Uh, so this movie is about uh, a black family and a white family living on a farm in the South. Um, obviously, the white family has more... Right. The white family owns the farm. The black family is the sharecroppers on right. the farm. And uh, both of them, though, uh, the black family, uh, Ronzel has, uh, is the uh, son of Mary J. Blige and Hap, and he goes off to war. Um, the white family, there is um, Henry's brother. His name is Jamie. Yeah. He goes off to war. They're not at war together. They're, they have two separate experiences. Right. Jamie is a, a pilot. pilot. Uh, and Ronzella is, you know, in an infantry or, I don't know, he's in a fucking tank at one point. Yeah. Um, and they have very different experiences, but they come back around the same time and they form this relationship uh, and they basically are getting getting through life together. They're right. figuring shit out. You know, PTSD is fucking them up. Um, it's really... I, I had no fucking idea that... Um, African American troops were treated so well abroad and came back and had yeah. to deal with fucking white America being assholes. Um, and it's really heartbreaking. Uh, this movie reminded me a lot of 12 Years a Slave, just as far as, you know, there are a lot of hard things to watch in this movie. I enjoyed this movie way more though, um, because it's not just about the brutality. Right. This movie also is about these familial bonds and ties. Um, it's, it's another, it's another, uh, heavily female staffed, uh, mm. production as well. Uh, the DP was female. The editor was female. Uh, costume designer, everything down the line. They're all women. So you can kind of feel, I mean, this movie also feels like a very loving movie. Like there's a lot of like gentle touches. Yeah. Um, you know, the moment I, 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 when I was watching it, it, this happens maybe 10 minutes in. So it's early. It's not, but when I was watching, I was like, Oh, this feels a little more generic than I'm used to from D Reese. And that, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, like I got a little nervous. Mm-hmm. The scene, and it's, it's a scripting thing, so it's not even like it was a filmmaking thing, but the scene where Carrie Mulligan, when they first moved to the farm, and Carrie Mulligan won't let them, like, leave her piano out. And oh, she's right. like, and to me, that was the moment that I, like, clicked, and I was like, oh, I see what we're doing here. Right. And I was like, oh, good. Yeah. I was like, good. This is a different, this yeah. is not the thing I think it is. Yeah. Essentially, the, the white family thinks they're going to live in some, like, right. fucking nice house. Turns out the they husband- scammed. The yeah. husband was scammed like an idiot. They have to go live in, you know, basically a farmhouse- and um, Carrie Mulligan's character is like, you're not fucking getting rid of my piano. Yeah. Well, I'm living like shit because she, of you. And she's like, your awful father has yeah. to sleep out fucking side yeah. because my piano needs to stay. Right. She's um, like, I'm not having my living room turned into a bedroom. Violence is part and parcel of country life. You've forever been assailed by dead things. Dead mice. Dead rabbits. Dead possums. You find them in the yard. You smell them rotten under the house. And then they're the creatures you kill for food. Chickens, hogs, deer, 
frogs, squirrels, pluck, skin, disembowel, debone, fry, eat, start again. This movie could have been, you know, a miniseries. Yeah. You know, it's it's that big in scope and scale, and. Um, I think it's it's a really good movie, and I like it a lot. I wonder what would have happened if it wasn't a Netflix release. Yeah. Um, because I feel like if this was like a Fox Searchlight or a Sony Classic, it probably would have gotten a lot more buzz, right. um, and it would be more contender. Mary J. Blige is getting a lot of buzz. She was nominated for a Golden Globe. Um, she also has a song in the movie that got nominated for a Best Original Song, which is really good. Um, but man, oh man, I fucking think this movie, like... In, if this movie came out like in 1996 or something, yeah. people would have been losing their fucking minds because it's it's just... It feels like an older movie, um, and it, but it, but in a, in a very like strong and sturdy, like, and, uh, you just, I, I don't know. There's nothing about this movie that I dislike. It's heartbreaking, but like uplifting and yeah. beautiful. Uh, if I was going to choose a more like kind of Oscar bait thing, this is my like pick for Oscar bait garbage you should see because it's great. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, is there, yeah, you mentioned, or, you know, it's a great year for, um, debuts. Uh, right. And Mary J. Blige is one of them. Yeah. And, uh, I believe, I'm not sure she's, done, she, like, she was in, like, Rock of Ages. Oh, yeah, she was. Oh, fuck. I saw that movie, right. too. Let's see how much impression that made. Right. Um, other debuts, like Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Yes. Um, which I saw with my sister in Seattle also. Yeah. And it was, um, beautiful. I, I know, I, one of my good friends, she was like, this is about a boring white person doing boring things. And I agree. And I get that. And I, I have seen in the Twitterverse people being like, this is like white mediocrity. I would argue that this is probably like, if white people were doing shit, like it should be at this level. Like right. this is like a very kind of not exciting story done so, so well. Um, I was crying. Um, I think there's not, the story itself is pretty cliched. But yeah, but I don't think there's anything cliched about like the way this movie was made or or right. told. Um, you know, girl fighting with her mom and wants to go away to college. That's a big like that's yeah. a very normal thing. But uh, again, you can just tell Greta Gerwig loves yeah. um, what she was doing. Um, also, if you're a young up and coming actor and you weren't in this movie, sorry about yeah. it. Well, uh, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, uh, big year for him too. He's he's both in uh, Lady Bird and in Call Me by Your Name. Yeah. Did you? What did you think about Call Me by Your Name? I like this movie a lot. Um, I read the book you, and I hated this book. I hated oh, really? this book a lot. I, I mean, I, I've heard from many people who've read the initial James Ivory screenplay that they're like, there is so much voiceover narration and it was all cut out in the movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, thank uh, God. Cause yeah, yeah, good. I mean, because so the, the book is very heavy on, uh, narration. There's not a lot of plot going yeah. on. Um, the book and the movie are two separate beasts in my mind because they're ch- saying two different things. The book is saying you fall in love once and then sorry kid, that's it. You know, you will Oh be- yeah, the movie's definitely not saying that at all. The movie is like you fall in love and y- you'll be okay. You- yeah. You'll move on, like feel the pain, feel the grief, but you know, life continues. Like yeah. Mafalda will be put in the table together while you're crying into the fire and yeah. like you'll be okay. The book has a flash forward scene. Yeah. He like follows him around. It's very like Yeah, Luca Luca Bonito did a really fantastic job. I love I love him anyways. Uh his film A Bigger Splash last year was my second favorite film of last year. This movie was um, just like so stylish. I will say uh I I know he's not the most well put together person in the movie, but Army, Michael Stuhlberg is right there. 
he's so loving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just wh- why Timothy? Did you, Michael Stolberg's right there. Did you like get a sense <laughs> that he was also queer in the movie? I you I think there's an impression that he's had experience like that, but that's not not right. who he is. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, queer. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if it's how he would identify with himself. Right. But, Especially yeah. in the 80s, I guess. But Yeah, yeah. Um, but but he's definitely had... Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I, I mean, that final speech is what makes that movie, if you ask me. The best part yeah. of the book is that speech. Um, For me, like, getting through the book was, a tr- like, a, a slog. Like, yeah. until I got to that speech and I was like, oh, yes. And then they have a fucking flash forward and I was like, kill me. Um, The, bo- the movie I thought was beautiful. I thought it was funny. Like, uh, Elio in the book is not funny. Oh, really? For me. Really great. A lot of people love the book, and I'm not shitting on, like, but but for me. That was one of the other things I enjoyed about the movie, because I thought, based on the way people were talking about it, that I would, they'd go in and be like, oh, there's, like, these two idealistic figures, but, like, they're, they're not. Elio is annoying, and Army Hammer's character is aloof asshole. Yeah, he's a aloof asshole, like, and I, like, at first I was a little, taken aback because I I was like everybody loves this movie and I kind of like hate both of these characters in a way and then like as it grows and as it gets more playful and everything and I, yeah. I don't know I just I really got into it and uh, yeah. I think the, I, I loved watching them flirt and I think the best was when they're walking around that um fountain yeah and it's basically Elio coming out to him yeah and, and like but that's I I when I watched that scene, I was like, did I miss something? And then I, I've seen that scene since, and I'm like, oh, no, it's just really well done, because yeah. it's, like, finding the spaces in the words right. and, like, getting... They're the, not... I mean, they, yeah. don't, they don't say it at all. Right. It's just kind of like, I feel this way, and yeah. do you, and I can't... Like, it's 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 such the high school, like, yeah. cat and mouse, this and that. Well, you seem to know more than anybody else around here. Well, if you only knew how little I know about the things that matter... What things that matter? You know what things? Why are you telling me this? Because I thought you should know. Because you thought I should know? Because I wanted you to know. 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 Um, I think it's a beautiful movie. I think I know some people think it's a little bit like slow and um, too slow. much bike riding. And I will watch them bike ride all day long. Uh-huh. Maybe uh huh. Maybe Michael Stolberg will join them. <laughs> Honestly, like just kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, can we talk really briefly about Itanya? Sure. Um, I saw that recently, and I was like very lukewarm on the Margot Robbie train, and then I saw this, and I was like, holy shit! I think she's great in it. She gives a great performance. Alison Janney also queen. Like, I love fucking Alison Janney. I, lo- I love Alison Janney, too. You don't like the movie? I, I like her. Well, I don't like the movie. Um, but I also think that they didn't hire Alison Janney to do very much. And I think she gave them exactly what they hired her to do. And that's fine. I mean, like the, the scenes that she was in, she, like, knocked out. Yeah. I, I didn't need more of her in this movie. I My main, and I've said this many times, I think the, the movie does a lot in an attempt to to try and, like glorify 
poverty and glorify domestic violence in a way that it wants you to laugh at them and then for at least the first hour and a half and then spends the final half an hour being very like judgy about the fact that you laughed. Like there's a moment in the film where she's like, and everybody laughed at me and you laughed at me. And it's like, yeah, cause the filmmakers clearly want us to. And I just, and I, everybody I've told this to, they're like, well, well, I, you know, I was always on Tanya Harding's side. And I was like, it doesn't matter if you're on Tanya Harding's side. I, I also have felt sympathy for Tanya Harding, but I didn't need a film to like, make me laugh at her and then be angry at me for doing it. I don't feel like I laughed at her though. And I wonder, like I, I, and it's funny cause I have heard people talk, talk about, you know, the making light of the domestic violence yeah. and abuse and like, like that, and that I, scene, it's so weird because I, I've told this to many people and they're like, I didn't think it was funny. The scene where her mother stabs her, throws a knife is clearly played for laughs. Like I, clearly there's a pause for laughter. I was pausing for like horror. Honestly, I was not, which is so crazy to me. Like, like I didn't laugh, but I was like, that's what this feels were like. Were people in the room laughing? No. I mean, I watched it alone. Uh, so yeah. I mean, in my theater, like I grabbed my friend's arm and I was just like, holy shit. I mean, for me, it was, uh, and not to like, you know, argue the point, but for me, I didn't get the sense that they were glorifying it as much as really amplifying the difference between how Tanya grew up and was forced to like, she really, you know, came through this fucking hellish, yeah. you know, life. Um, I certainly like, and I could, I could see how people would, would maybe laugh about how, you know, or, or get the sense that they were trying to play for, comedic effect about how she was raised and like her kind of like white trashiness whatever i mean when i was a kid did you ever love me or anything you think sonia henny's mother loved her poor fucking you i didn't stay home making apple brown bettys no i made you a champion Knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. I wish I'd had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I didn't like my mother either. So what? I fucking gave you a gift. He cursed me. You're a monster. Spilled milk, baby. When they actually were showing her, painting her picture, I mean, I didn't know, you know, she, she lived in, you know, backwoods of Portland and, right. you know, it's, to me, it felt honest. It, and maybe this is how I, I reacted to it. Um, but I certainly do not want to like ever make light of domestic violence and right. her situation with fucking Jeff Gooley, who's a fucking monster. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, and I don't think they're trying to tell you that he was a good person or, but I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's, or like, you know, the, the, the idiot, his accomplice right. who's an idiot. And like, clearly they show you those scenes at the end to be like, we're not making this up. Like, yeah. this is too, you know, the, the, it's, this is a reality. Yeah. It's, it's too good to be fiction. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I, part of me feels like, and maybe I'm extrapolating, part of me feels like that's how we ended up with this fucking monster for a president. Like, where it's just like, we just don't take these people serious and then they just keep doing these crazy shitty things. And like, right. I don't know, I, I just felt it made me feel incredibly gross. To me, and, it, it made me feel gross about, like, I, I walked out of that movie and I was like, Tanya Harding was like a very normal looking white woman who came from poverty. And she was a monster athlete, the best in the United States, like in the world right. at one time. And still, because she wasn't like cute or pretty enough or like had money, 
they fucking tore her down. Yeah. And when this awful, this awful thing happened to Nancy Kerrigan, you know, Americans and the world kind of fell back on our basis being like, oh, this trash queen who's not pretty and came from nothing and garbage, of course. And so for me, that's where the discomfort came from. It wasn't necessarily from like the movie making itself. Maybe I'm fucking wrong. I don't know. No, I mean, that's, movies are subjective. I also thought that Margot Robbie was just fucking incredible. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and there's a scene where she, uh, before the Olympics and she is just like painting her face over yeah. and over and over again. And she like, you can just get the sense and of they like, do, And they do a really good job. I mean, I'm, I hate saying this, but they do like a really good job. I and mean, you look like blotchy and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, it, it, it was, um, it was, it was, it was a surprising in a very good way. And, um, so I enjoyed, I, Tanya, I guess that's all I have. I mean, we talked about Lady Bird. Yeah. Uh, Call by Her Name. Um, anything oh, else? for Lady Bird, by the way, the, my big complaint was I just wanted more scenes of Laurie Metcalf. I'll be honest. True. Uh, and that's like, that's such a minor thing. Um, yeah. I, I, if her or Allison Janney win the Oscar. Yeah. Or Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Win an Oscar. Or, uh, Tiffany Haddish, who oh. clearly deserves to be nominated. Tiffany Haddish, yes. Oh, can we just give them all Oscars, guys? Yeah, exactly. Guys. It'll be the year that Best Supporting, just everybody gets handed an award. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for your work yeah, this exactly. year, guys. <laughs> all five of you are great. Yes, love that. Two real quick things, very, very quick things. Uh, I really like the movie A Ghost Story. I realize I'm pretentious nonsense for that, but like, I think it's... Correct. The, I don't know if you saw it. I really hate Casey Affleck, and I wish he wasn't in the film, uh, but he's barely in the movie, um, and I heard they used stand-ins at points for the ghost, so like, I feel better about it. Uh, but it's about, it's about, like, it's a deep movie about life and, like, our place in the universe and, like, recurrent time and, like, all, all the things that totally get my goat. So I was <laughs> uh, all for it. And, uh, I will gladly watch, uh, uh, what's her Rooney face? Rooney Mara. Mara eat an entire fucking pie any day of the week. Um, goals. And, uh, In Transit, uh, which is a movie I was so happy I was finally able to put in my top 10. It's a movie I saw back in 2014, I want to say. It's Albert Maisel's last film. Uh, famously did Great Gardens with his brother, uh, years ago. And they've made many, many documentaries since. And his brother passed away. Um, he unfortunately passed away shortly after the release of this film. It was originally going to be, uh, put out on TV by, uh, Al Jazeera America. They funded it. Al Jazeera America went under. The movie disappeared for a while. Finally came out this year during the summer. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous documentary. I tear up just watching the trailer. It's about, um, uh, the Empire Builder, which is the Amtrak train that runs from Chicago to Seattle. And it's the, uh, longest, uh, it's the busiest long distance train that continuously runs um, and people get on it and like you're just following these people on it. And there's like one person that's going to like meet his son for the first time. There's a woman who's just taking it with her daughter as a way to reconnect. There's one woman who hasn't seen her daughter in 40 years and she's just going across. And my favorite story in there is there's a man that's been riding it for um, nine months because a year ago he was told uh, he would have six weeks to live and he decided he just wanted to travel across country and he continues to live and just keeps taking this train back and forth because he wants to see it all before he dies it's beautiful it, it I mean it's technically like there's like seven other filmmakers because he made it in conjunction with uh, with a class. So Lynn True, David Usai, uh, Nelson Walker III, and Benjamin Wu are also uh, filmmakers on it. Uh, but it's his last uh, effort, and it's so, so gorgeous. And if you can find a copy of it, it's it's worth your hour and a half, if that. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful movie. And, like, seriously, like, talking about it, I'm, I'm getting a little weepy. It's, it's great. It's worth... 
It's worth watching. Gavin is crying openly. I'm in weeping my openly. Mostly because he knows that he secretly loves Spider-Man. Yes, absolutely. Live your truth. So that concludes this episode of the Mixed Reviews, our 2017 year in review. Yeah. For a quick fast forward, I guess we have like a whole award season that we're still getting in through. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we'll see who comes out on top and who comes out on bottom. No? Is it Spider-Man? Is it Spider-Man? Is that not a thing? <laughs> do they do like, oh, I guess they do do the, the Raz. Tops and bottoms? What's like, the Raz? Oh, fuck the Razzies. Right. I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess those would be the yeah, bottom. fuck those. Uh, no one likes those. Come on. Right. That, I mean, joke, that joke is played. <laughs> right. I mean, if you were the tops and bottoms, I guess like the bottoms would be the Razzies. I mean, I, Timothy Chalmers. <laughs> Tim, uh, he's straight. I know he is. I know he is. Which is annoying. <laughs> How dare That's you? go after Michael Schulberg, Army Hammer. How right dare there. how dare the youth be so like queer and fluid? <laughs> they live in a different time, Louis. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm crying. Now I'm crying. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. You can find us online at uh, the Mixed Reviews on Twitter. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? You can. No. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, we're just The Mixed Reviews. And you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com if you want to write us a longer little love note. I love love notes. I love love notes. If you if you're, love... If you're one of those, well, what do you just call them? The fluid youths. If you're a fluid youth... <laughs> feel free to drop Louie a line. Drop me a line. Like, tell them what's going on, guys. Um, okay. Also, if you listen to us on iTunes, uh, you can rate and review us there. And it really helps other people find us. And we think we're funny. So we think your friends will think you're fun- we're funny. Right. Yeah. Also, um, after you watch Patty Cakes, tweet me what your favorite song is. And let's just like have a party where we listen to Patty Cakes and Band-Aid songs over and over and over. Absolutely. That sounds perfect. Let's do that. I need to get out of this apartment. Um, And uh, so that, as I mentioned, that concludes this week's episode. We'll be back in two weeks with our new subject and we'll be back to our normal format. Yeah. And uh, if you enjoy that, uh, listen in on that one. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. The posse, the beats of the bells, and the letters of the state where we dwell.